Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, the home of the virtual legal addictive stimulants and conversation. Dave, <laughs> how's everything going out there? It's nice out here. Um, temperature's getting up there, and I'm actually preparing for my, my trip to Austin that I've been talking yeah. about. So by the time this uploads, I will have gone and come back. So <laughs> all of you that I met in Austin, I'm sure we had a wonderful time. <laughs> and thank you for the, the hospitality and the, and the warm weather and all that stuff. Yeah. How are you guys doing out there? Uh, we're good. It's definitely definite, – spring is definitely springing here. It's uh, It's been hot. Yesterday was in the 90s. So, yeah, it's it's – Whatever little winter slash rain we might have gotten seems to be gone now, unfortunately. But but yeah, it's it's going well. You can have some of our rain. I wish. I wish. Got some fun things lined up. Um, you know, you're doing what you're doing in Austin. Um, I have a VSPN course that starts next yeah. Wednesday. Uh, it's a three-week course on shock, so that's a lot of fun. Colorado caffeinators, I'll be in Colorado um, at the CACVT meeting in Loveland, <clears throat> excuse me, on uh, April 9th and 10th. I'll only be there the Saturday morning, but be there for that. And then we have- Bring some swag yeah, for everybody. absolutely. And then we have um, our California RVT Association Conference that same weekend, actually. Um, it's two days virtual. I won't be presenting, but um, I'll be in and out um, of the lectures and things. So Awesome. Yeah, kind of um, spring, you know, conference season, I think, is- getting underway. Yeah. And, and um, I know for our state association meeting, we kept it virtual this year because we were planning it during that most recent COVID spike. And California is always pretty strict with regulations and things. So we decided to keep it virtual. But I know a lot of things are planning for 2022 to be in person. And, you know, IVEX was, of course, last year that went really well. So I know next year, hopefully, of course, we'll be back in person format. We're looking forward to that. IVEX sent an email to me uh, this week saying that some of the courses are, are going to be virtual as well. Okay. So they're doing like a hybrid. They're doing a, a little bit of a hybrid. Okay, yeah. good. You know, honestly, I mean, if the technology is there and it's not a terrible amount of work on the back end for them right. to do, why not? Because that's going to expose yeah. so many more people to, to these fantastic speakers and sessions that they have that might not ever otherwise get to go to IVEX. Well, yeah, because because going to these conferences, it, it's a big expenditure. You know, you, you've got your conference fees, plus you got a flight and hotel. You got to take the time off work. You just do it virtually, yeah. Yeah, so if, they're, if they are doing that, kudos to them because I, I, I mean, obviously, like in-person is where we want to be, and especially for sponsorships, that's such a huge part of it is having people come by the booths and go through the exhibit hall and stuff. And mm -hmm. I know that's like one of my favorite things to do at conferences, but there's still so many people that just financially or because of family or it. whatever, you just can't swing it. So if there is some kind of hybrid option, even if it's a, a partial, you know, not, maybe not every session, obviously, because there's always multiples at one time, but if there's a way to kind of make it that kind of format, I think so, so, so many people would benefit from that. So that's that's great to hear. Yeah. We've got a great guest coming by the Vet Tech Cafe today. I'm super excited. We've kind of done this type of episode, I think each year we've been in existence and previously it's been Ed Carlson as, as president of NAVTA, but we're, we're going to try to do um, each year, you know, just check in with the, the NAVTA president and talk all things NAVTA and what they're working on. And, and so today we have Ashley Selke coming by the Vet Tech Cafe. So super excited about that. And um, before I get into her bio, um, she's taking time out to do this from her vacation. So caffeinators, make sure you give her a very warm welcome for, for coming by today. <laughs> but she's had uh, several different roles in her career as a veterinary technician. And she, prior to 
that uh, served in the United States Navy, I can imagine leads to a lot of adaptability and moving around that would probably be very beneficial in this field. But once she got out, um, she attended Harrison College School of Veterinary Technology in Indianapolis. And after 2016, after her husband's retirement from the military, um, they moved down to Arkansas uh, to be close to her home state of Texas. And that's where she kind of got started in veterinary leadership and began her role on the executive board of the Arkansas VTA as director of marketing. Um, from there, went on to become the NAFTA state representative and held her first position as the District 8 representative for Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas. And then in January of last year, 2021, moved up to West Lafayette, Indiana, uh, where Purdue University is. And she is now the clinical lab coordinator and instructional technologist with the Purdue College of Veterinary Medicine Veterinary Nursing Program. Her passion is advocating for veterinary technicians and furthering the profession, um, sits on multiple state and national committees, as well as being the 2022 NAFTA president. So Ashley, thank you very much for taking some time out to join us today. What can we get you for a cup of coffee? Oh, so I don't drink coffee, but I do oh, love okay. Starbucks refreshers drinks. Those are my favorites. Okay. What are those? They're, what is a refresher? So they have different, like, um, I get strawberry lemonade. They're like fruity drinks. I just... Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I've always, I've just never got on the coffee kick. That's all right. That's all right. So, some days I wish I wasn't as dependent on the coffee oh. as I am. But <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm there now. I know. I know. I, I, when I worked in emergency med, they're like, you don't drink caffeine and you don't drink coffee. Like, how how do you work overnight? I'm like, I don't know. I just do. Yeah. You, you, you can't be here if you don't subsist on coffee at that time of night. <laughs> I know it's funny. Um, I, I remember um, when we interviewed uh, Amy Newfield, she said the same thing. Like she's such a high ener energy person. And she's like, this is actually without caffeine. And yeah. in the emergency medicine, I, she I can't imagine with caffeine. I know, I know. Yeah. she, 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 she doesn't do it, but Hey, Bouncing off the yeah, walls. I love it. I love it. So um, if you would take a take a few minutes, take us through your career path, kind of, you know, what got you into veterinary medicine, some stops along the way, how you kind of got to where you are now, and, and we'll go from there. As I'm sure nobody's road to being a veterinary technician is a one-stop shop in there. So um, I was in the Navy and I was a cryptological technical technician in the Navy. So basically... We decode things. We have top secret clearance. There is um, a lot that goes into that. And I had the second longest school in the Navy, which I could have made a career out of it, um, but that it just wasn't something that I felt was what I was supposed to do. So, you know, I had a GI Bill and I decided to do my time and then to go to school. And I had always wanted to be in the veterinary field, but I wasn't sure in what aspect I wanted to be in the veterinary field. I honestly just wanted a, a significant role in the zombie apocalypse, and that was you know, the best <laughs> way I thought I could go that. <laughs> but um, I used that GI Bill, went to school, and even my schooling wasn't traditional. Like it was, you know, a two years associate degree, and then it actually took me three years to do that. There was different times, and you know, different things happen in our lives with family and whatnot. So you know, I just kept at it, and it did take me three years to do a two-year path, which can happen. And that's okay mm -hmm. if that happens. And uh, when all was said and done, you know, you go to take your VTE. I had gotten married while I was in school. And then I actually had my first daughter after I had finished all the didactic things. And then we actually just got to graduate, you know, that May, but I had finished in December. So I had her in between and uh, my husband was in Afghanistan. So I was a you know basically like a single mom and trying to pass this VTE <laughs> and with a new baby and I didn't pass that first time and I was devastated and I was like I don't understand like I'm so good at doing these things and you know it was just another thing that set me back uh you know so then I was like well I, you know I'm gonna try again the next window and uh I let some time go by and then we moved to a different state we moved from to Tennessee for to Fort Campbell at that base and so then I had to go through Tennessee's route and Everybody knows when you go to sign up, you have to show like where you went to school and what district, where would you like your report sent in another district. So it, it got confusing along the time. And I tried again, I attempted, and I think with the move and everything, I, I didn't, I missed it by 12 points the next time. And I was like, oh, oh. my gosh. And 
you know, I had to set a third time. And the third time I had scheduled it, um, my second daughter actually came early, so prematurely. So I was actually in the hospital and I called him. I was like, look, I'm going to have to uh, reschedule. Like I'm in the hospital. They don't know when I'm going to have her. And they were like, well, it's going to cost you $80, uh, to reschedule this. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. And so then I canceled it and said it again. And because it was basically called like a fourth attempt, I had to write a letter saying, you know, all the things that, you know, I truly believe I could do to pass. And that had to get approved that I could even take it. And uh, on my fourth time, I did take it, and I worked with an incredible doctor um, at that point, uh, many incredible doctors. But one, she's like, you know what? This is what you got to do to pass this test. She's like, you've studied. You've done everything. I think it's your nerves. She's like, you put on your favorite song on the way to take this test. And she told me to put on, she's like, the song that worked for me, it was like, I'm bossy by like, yeah. So I I was like, I'm going to do whatever you say. And so I literally put this song like on repeat on the way to take this test. And she said, and you go in there and you ask to go to the bathroom and you go look in the mirror and you say, I am worth it. I am going to ace this test. I am going to do this. And so I pumped myself up in the bathroom. I was like, you got this. You're going to do it. You got a great family. You got great kids. Like you could do this. And so I pumped myself up in the bathroom. I'm sure that there, the lady outside the test taker was probably like, what is this girl doing in there? Cause I'm like, yes, you are great. <laughs> and then I went and, uh, I took that test. I was like, I'm going to do this. And when, you know, you that back then it was just the like preliminary pass fail kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. then I, I went out just, exp- I was like, I'm just going to take it, whatever it is. And you know, it said pass. And I like could have kissed this little testing lady. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. And she was like, Oh, and I was like, you don't understand. I've worked so hard for, this is like years of my life. <laughs> and then I got it and I was so happy and so excited. And then, you know, I was in Tennessee and to even get your license, you had to do so many different things for Tennessee. And then they set, what is it? A board hearing to even approve that I could be a veterinary technician. And it's, this was like in March. They're like, we can see you in August. And I was like, what? (laughs) They're like 9am on August. I was like, they are very precise that 9am in August, six months from now, I can finally talk to them. And at that point, uh, my husband was getting medically retired and stuff and I had filled out everything. And then I just decided, you know, we're moving to Arkansas. So I am going to go and do it in the States. Then I had to do everything over because I wasn't still going to be there by the time their hearing came around. And so then I went and I didn't have any issue with Arkansas. I turned in all my things again, paid money once again. Um, and that is when I finally got my license Many years after starting my journey, uh, I think it was a total of five or six years from the time I started school to actually getting uh, my certification. So I was very persistent. I was like, I just have to keep going. (laughs) And that's what I did. I kept going. So it was a long journey. And I want other people to know that it's okay if that's your path, that your path is set for yourself. And no matter which way you go, it's it's the way you get there and how you get there and when you get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's so crazy because you think, you know, how many people would have gone through that and then, you know, not pass it the first time, not pass right. it the second time and then said, you know what, this probably isn't for me. And, and you just stuck stuck yeah. with it and went through it. So that's, I mean, determination, guys, yeah. pays off. Yeah, for pays sure. Off. It does. For and whenever sure. I see somebody, you know, post on Facebook, like, you know, man, I didn't pass the first time. I, I don't know if this is for me. And like, I try to share my story and be like, hey, like stay with it. You've gone this far. You've finished school. Like things happen. Just be persistent. And I try to uplift those people who feel like they go through that because I've been there and, you know, you can become the NAFTA president even if you failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just keep trying and you do what you need yeah, to do. Absolutely. You know, I think doors will open for, for you. Sure. I, I think one thing that sticks out for me so far, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the VNI in a little while, but is is the difficulty with you having kind of moved around going through school, I think in Indiana, trying to get licensed in Tennessee, ultimately getting licensed in Arkansas and the application process of, you know, where you're going to send your scores for licensure, like what an unnecessary pain in the rear end 
And yes, like, you know, several years ago, it really not even that long ago, it wasn't too often that technicians moved around. People in general didn't really move around, but now like it's really quite common for people to be, to relocate for family, for other jobs or for jobs in this field, whatever it may be like that lack of portability or ease of transferability, however you want to express prosody, however you want to refer to it. It's such a stumbling block. It is. Well, I think like you said, Jeff, you know, several years ago, we didn't have social media. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't really like, you couldn't say, oh, I'm going to move out to California right. and find a job, right. but you're just going to have to show up and start looking around. Now with social media, you can research all that stuff before you even get there. Yeah. But the other thing that you have to research is can I actually can, work in can this, I, this yeah. state because of can I actually do right. this? Yeah. Oh, so hard, so difficult. But again, we'll we'll talk about this when we get towards the end here. <laughs> we'll talk more about that. So, so you so you you pass the VTNE, you got your license, any and then what are you doing now career-wise, you know, outside of NAFTA in in terms of veterinary medicine? I have been at Purdue University just uh, a little over a year. I started uh, January of 21 and I am the clinical lab coordinator, so I experienced extreme burnout in 2020. Uh, I was in Arkansas. And so I knew I needed something to change. And uh, my husband is from Indiana. We have a lot of family there. So it was a way to make my village bigger and to see what I could do outside the realms of the clinic setting, because uh, it was getting just too much for me. There was getting the clients that were angry, it, it just seemed like everything just kept weighing and weighing down, especially after COVID started. So I took a chance and I interviewed at Purdue University and it checked all my boxes and I could be the clinical lab coordinator, which basically they have their didactic courses where they learn everything. And then you have a practical part of it, which is your lab setting. And I'm one of those people who I can't decide on one certain thing. So like I don't have favorites of anything. So this way it lets me basically get to do all the subjects. Um, so I get to do help in labs with large animals, small animal, parasitology, clinical pathology. There's exotics, lab animals. So I get to help with all the different things and it lets me do something different kind of every week and and every day. So that, that part is very fun. I teach one class. It's an integrations class on campus and Basically, that's like case-based learning. So I get to, for them to use all of their skills that they've learned throughout the program, and we get to run those down in cases. And basically, uh, it's formatted after the DVM program as well. So they have an A&I class, and um, we get to work and use critical thinking and how we're going to work together and how we're going to get to the end. And I also teach that one online as well as surgical OR uh, prep and techniques. So lots of fun stuff. Mm. That's yeah, great. That sounds awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, fantastic. So before we get into into too much more stuff, let's let's take a, a look at what the NAFTA president thinks about our profession right now. Where are we at as a profession? I know there's a lot of things that you I mean, we could probably talk all day <laughs> about the things that are being worked on and need to be fixed. But just give us your overall impression of of the profession right now. My overall impression of the profession especially right now, is that I think it is in a time of crisis and also a time of growth at the same time. And I spoke at the House of Delegates and I, I saw these veterinarians having questions and answers of how can we retain our veterinary technicians? How can we keep them there? How can we help them grow? And when I spoke with them, I noticed that there wasn't a veterinary technician representative in that room. They were asking of themselves. And so I went up and asked if I could speak because I was in the back of the room. And I said, if you'd like to hear from an actual technician inside this room, uh, I'm here to voice that opinion to you. And they were the president, Dr. Jose Arce said, you know, I, we are proud to hear what you have to say. NAFTA will always be welcomed in this room. And so I began to talk to them about, do technicians have burnout? Yes, we have burnout. I was like, I've had burnout. It does happen. And I said, we have to change what's going on. And the reason you're seeing so many people leaving is, you know, the pay has been stagnant for 30 years. The same issues, and I've researched all these articles throughout NAFTA, it's been the same questions for 30 years. And we're not, that's a long <laughs> time. And that we're mm -hmm. not addressing them. And, you know, I said, personally for me with the burnout, like it's not worth 
not going home to your family or never knowing when you're going to leave or how stressful it's going to be for the little pay that we get. So I truly believe that they're losing a lot of credential technicians because of the lack of respect for the title, the utilization, and the pay. The pay needs to it needs to catch up with the inflation if we're going to continue to keep yeah. credentialed educated people. And if we don't address that, it's just making, you know, veterinarians, they want to fight the big burnout as well. And it's just going to, it's just going to help create that if we don't fix the technician issues. And it's just going to make that problem on the veterinarian side worse. The burnout will be worse. And we don't want that for anybody. So that's where I feel that we are in this time. And that's what I try to work to fix or work to get a grasp on how can we fix these issues in, in a building block kind of term? How can I set things up to be on the right path? And, and the, I, one of the big problems, I think, is that, you know, you, you mentioned burnout and pay, but there's so many different factors that are involved in both of those things oh, yeah. that is, is there, I don't want to say, do you have a plan in place, but is there is there a proper way to go through this block by block to to fix each of, the, each of these issues, realizing that there's there's many steps to fixing any one issue? Yes. And I actually, um, I had met Temple Grandin at a, at the ABT last year and she gave me her phone number so I could call her and ask her questions anytime. And I was like, this isn't real. Like this isn't going to be real. (laughs) And when I, you know, I was president elect and I was like, you know what? I was like, I really want to utilize her brain and how she thinks of this. And maybe she can help guide me in some kind of way. So I text her like, Hey, this is Ashley, you know, NAFTA at the time, president elect. I was like, could I maybe ask you some questions? She's like, of course. She's like, let me call you right now. And I was like, <laughs> and my mom remember was over watching my dog. And she's like, what? I was like, Temple Grand is calling me. <laughs> she was like, what? And she called and she spoke with me for, for over an hour. And she's like, You've got to figure out one thing because I was like, man, there's, there's title protection. There's, there's scope of practice. There's, there's all these things. And she's like, what's the biggest one that's affecting everyone? And I was like, all of them. I was like, all of them. And she was like, well, you've got to pick one thing. And she's like, you need to survey, you know, your audience and see what's the most important to them. And you go after that. So I did my own like personal data. I put different surveys out um, of my own venture of what was the most important aspect to veterinary technicians. And for the most part, it was pay, of course. And the other one that was very close to it was title protection, because a lot of people think with title protection would come the pay and vice versa. It would work together. Mm, Yeah. And so I went back to Temple Grand and I was like, these are the ones they're saying. She's like, all right. These are the ones you have to focus on. So you pick one. And so she's like, can you go after pay as yourself right now? And I was like, well, uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, I, I will, I'll try to figure that out. She's like, this is what I had to do with the Cattlemen's Association and all this. And she helped me. I was like, you know, am I going to have to call the big corporations and all this? And I, in my head, I just saw a tiny little me like taking on the world. You know, I was like, Temple Grandin says, I got to take on the world. But I was like, the one I can um, definitely start with is the title protection. So the building blocks we set in place was title protection. We put out our title protection survey and report and it officially went out in December. And it was astonishing. Uh, It went out in January, but it was astonishing how many people, you know, to see the the facts. Like we wanted something that had all 50 states that you didn't have to go search for something. And we wanted that tool to be available. And does your state have title protection? Does it not? Do you think it has title protection? And it was astounding how many people thought they had title protection and they didn't. Um, So there was a very misunderstood concept of what the title protection was in their state. And then we asked, you know, if you reported it, did anything happen? And they're like, oh, I didn't report it. I didn't really think anything would happen or I didn't know who to report it to. So it was good to get that first basic block of do we understand this? Do you understand now? What can we do about it moving forward in 50 plus states? (laughs) For sure. For sure. For the people that are right now Googling what title protection means, can you just briefly describe what it means? So title protection is, in our sense, for a credentialed veterinary technician. So different states have different rules on the matter. Um, We're not federally ran. We're ran by each state has their own set of rules. But title protection is set in force to where someone cannot call themselves a veterinary technician or credentialed veterinary technician 
without having gone through and gotten the licensure and approval by the medical board. So title protection also protects consumers. It lets you know that they do say, hey, we've got a a veterinary technician that's working in here with your patient, that they have gone to school. They have passed those credentialings and the criteria to become a licensed professional and that no one else can call them that. And I even pointed out that Tennessee uh, State Board put out their firm warning right before COVID happened that they have the right to fine people. So say, Mm -hmm. for an instance, if you have a website and you have 10 different people who you are promoting as veterinary technicians, if they are not licensed by the state of Tennessee, by the board as veterinary technicians, you could be fined $1,000 per person. So if you've got 10 people on Mm. that website that are not veterinary technicians, but veterinary assistants, $10,000, you could be fined. And I shared that just on Arkansas's page and it received over a hundred thousand reactions. Like that's how important it was to people that I just shared from a a tiny state page and it went all over. So definitely title protection, it's needed and it's wanted. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I know, you know, you said a couple of titles in there that I think really for some states it's pretty clear in some states not like I, so I'm in California and we're RVTs here and our in our practice act title protection specifically says RVT registered veterinary technician veterinary technician vet tech it actually lists all of those monikers so that it's not just registered veterinary technician but you also shouldn't be referring to yourself as vet tech you know something watered down but th- but that 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 title holds the same wait Wait, and I know I know a lot of states that's not the case. It might be certified veterinary technician might be covered, but that's it. You know, you could still be yeah. a veterinary technician or a vet tech or you know a tech. a tech. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So the 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 state to state variability is is off the charts. Yes, and and that's one thing that I've learned coming into you know leadership on the national level is you know I think it's misunderstood of what we can achieve like statewide because some people are like, Hey, let's just change the name. Why don't we all just become the same thing? And there's a lack of understanding of it doesn't just happen like that. It does like, it doesn't be like, poof, you know, (laughs) all of us are CVTs or RVTs. You know, you have to go in on the state level. It has to go into practice acts. It has to be open. It has to be approved like there. So yeah, we would love to wave him. I would love to wave my magic wand and have everything happen. But I think there's a lack of understanding on what, each individual has to do. That's why advocacy is so important to be a part of your state association, to be a part of your national association, to be in the room when these things are decided and to have those relationships. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing I've learned during my presidency that it's just not fully understood. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And the the wheels of government in general turn very very slow, but specifically when we're talking about volunteer organizations that are trying to do these things, it, they just turn even a little bit slower. Yes. And it just, it's just the way that it is. Uh, I'm curious, you know, now that you've been, you were president elect last year, you're in the presidency role now, it's uh, mid March. I'm curious, is there anything that has been a, a big surprise for you in that role that you weren't expecting? Um, well, because I got to be president elect for a year, it let me kind of see how you're very much involved. And everything. So the three presidents, basically your president-elect, your president, and your incoming president. We have president calls every week. So we're pretty much in the norm. We have okay. we get to talk every week. But the one thing I've noticed, not since just being president, but being involved in that situation is how many things go on around the country at any given time that are trying to lower our expectations of the vet tech profession that a lot of people don't know about. Like There have been, you know, and we get, we work with the AVMA and we have someone on government relations that tells us anytime something is flagged around the country. So there are bills that try to get passed, you know, that only an eighth grade education and you take a special test, you can be a veterinary technician. So we're going to go in and we're going to, we're going to fight that. And then there's organizations that are trying to put in, you know, an alternate pathway or somebody will try to change a practice act you know, to be like the scope of practice to be different. It's like, so there's something happening at all times, but I don't think people hear about that as a whole. And part of my presidency is I wanted to 
put those kind of things into light and be like a more transparent to have you know what's going on around your country mm -hmm. to know what states are affecting what. And even with the, the VNI, um, our committee, we were active in 22 different states last year. And I think a lot of people are like, where's the VNI? What do we do? Like, and, and we went into 22 different states last year to either help with wording and sunrise openings. You know, we helped Utah with getting their credentialing. Anytime somebody, a state reaches out, we want to make sure that we're promoting, first of all, what they want and um, helping them and guide them towards getting things done and whatever help they're needing. Mm -hmm. But in their states too, that there may be states that don't want any kind of other help or, or some states are, there's not anyone there at all. So that's what I've learned is things that are happening all over the place all the time. And, right. you know, we're actively trying. And I think sometimes as volunteers, you can get broken down when you hear, you see the social media and you see they're like, we don't know what they're doing. Are they doing anything? It's like, I work all the time. <laughs> it's like, I try so yeah. hard. Yeah. So I think the lack of knowing yeah. what's going on around you is, mm -hmm. is pretty out there. I, I think you bring up a great point. I, I can only imagine. I mean, I is I, I'm just now terming out as carved to president. Uh, my last board meeting was this month and Anita will be taking over in May. But like I know, I mean, I, f I felt like I worked four or five days a week on carve to stuff alone. I can't imagine seeing from a, a higher level what's going on in all 50 states. And, and I think it's great to put that out there to your membership, to leaders from other states that, that these things are going on because it leads to greater networking. It leads to greater yes. like, hey, you know, our neighboring state is is doing this. Is this something that we should look at or vice versa or whatever it may be? So um, I'm, I'm excited to hear about that because I, I think that for so many reasons, more transparency about what all the goings on are in the profession are going to lead to greater interest, wanting to continue to move things forward. So I, I'm, 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 I'm excited to hear that. All right. Well, before we keep going here, I know we're, we're about 30 <laughs> minutes in. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got about a lot it, more yeah. to cover. Why don't we take a, a, a quick break here and we'll, we'll have our pay some bills and, and we'll be back after the break. All right. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit betterhelp.com slash vettechcafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Vet Tech Cafe, the podcast that won't solve your problems, but we will call them out and we will discuss them <laughs> at length. So, Ashley, we've, we've talked a little bit before um, we started our interview. How do you manage your mental health with all the things that you have on your plate right now with your, with your job and with your presidency? How do you get away from veterinary medicine if you do it all? Sure. So mental health is very, very important to me. In 2020, um, I was working as a surgical specialty department supervisor. So in Arkansas, it was the only specialty and 24-hour emergency in the state. So that's it. If you don't go to us, then... Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so you got to go five to six hours in any other direction. Yes. So there wow. might be some GP practices on call, but for the majority, we were the only ones that had the machinery, I guess, to fix those certain things and the only one with the um, mm -hmm. any specialty yeah. doctor. So once COVID happened, it it got very overwhelming for me because I was the face of that department. I was the one who talked with all the primary veterinarians. So we would get things sent over from emergency that needed fixed. And I only had one surgeon. We, there was only one specialty surgeon in the whole state. And that was it. Wow. So yeah. 
and we had the only CT machine. And once COVID happened, the hours got longer. You know, we had to make sure staff was safe, you know, curbside happened. So even just the normal running of things, you know, could make things longer. And I started seeing myself working 60, 70 hours a week. Um, It was an hour commute to my job. You know, I had small children. Um, so, you know, I wasn't home. I was also a volunteer firefighter at the time too, down there. So I saw sad things everywhere. So I saw sad things, you know, when I would get an emergency call at home for the fire department or, you know, I would see sad things where people couldn't afford care. And then, you know, people started going at me, you know, social media wise or, you know, on our practices page, like they're just in it for the money. They don't care. And I'm like, you know, that's not, it, it all became overwhelming. And so I knew when I was starting to head to work every day and, you know, I was crying before I got to work. I was like, something is wrong. And I was just like, you know, I was dreading having to speak to the clients and angering someone and telling them, I'm sorry, I, I can't fit you in today. I, you know, I, and my doctor, he was on call one week and off call the next week. Like there's only one, he can't be on call all the time. And, you know, if we couldn't fit something in, you know, of course, we're heartless, we're this, we're that. And, you know, I've got to send them to Nashville or Dallas or Missouri, like Oklahoma City, like it's all, you know, hours away. And so then, you know, after I felt at one point I was the only manager there because the other ones were either on COVID quarantine or this or they had gotten sick. And I was having to make decisions about like what door stops went on the doors. And I'm like, this is not part of my job because I was the highest like manager (laughs) there. It it all felt like it came down on me. Um, You know, I was having to make decisions and the decision fatigue too got to me as well because everyone's looking to you and you're working so hard. And so then I decided, you know, I knew something was wrong. I had enough fortitude to know that something was very wrong. And I went to my surgeon and I said, Hey, I'm going to need next week off. And he was like the whole week. I was like the whole week. Uh, I'm just, I'm the only supervisor who hasn't taken any time off. I was like, I, I need time off. And then I remember I went to my team and I was like, Hey team, uh, I'm going to take next week off. And they were like the whole week. I was like, yes, the whole week. Why does everyone keep saying that? Like, <laughs> And I worked through that Friday and I still could feel the overwhelming heaviness. And as soon as I left um, that Friday, I went straight to a behavioral health facility and they asked me if I had an appointment and I just started crying. I said, no, I don't. (laughs) I was like, I need someone to talk to me and help me figure out why I feel this way. And they talked to me and, you know, I told them what I did and they were just like, wow, And I chose to do inpatient therapy. I was like, I don't, if I need medication, if I need this, any of those things I'm willing and I want to do because I don't want to feel this way. And, you know, I didn't have to tell anybody where it was. That was my choice. I took a week off of work and I told them I would not be accessible. And this was my way to turn off the outside world. Um, You know, I wasn't, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have these things. You know, I made sure that you know, my children were taken care of. My mom watched her and my husband was super supportive. I was like, I'm sorry. He's like, no, no. Like if you're not okay, like nobody's okay. Like I want to make sure. So having a super supportive family in the matter was really important to you. And I was there for a week and, you know, I saw many different psychiatrists and got to learn different ways of making boundaries. I was a big person with boundaries. So making healthy boundaries and it's okay to say no to some things. And a lot of us are yes people. Like we, we want to be able to do that, but you can get yesed out. (laughs) So making those healthy boundaries and, you know, being put on certain medication and then, you know, they're like, do you know you have ADHD? And I'm like, no, I didn't know that, but it could explain why things are so hard. (laughs) Like I've worked so hard for everything. Like (laughs) I've taken tests multiple times. I'm like, maybe Mm -hmm. this makes sense. So going through that and then, you know, coming out of it, I, you know, turned on my phone. I got out on a Friday, you know, I still had Saturday and Sunday before I had to go back to work. And I turned on my phone and I had like 196 like notifications and it immediately overwhelmed me. I like turned it back off. And, you know, I called who I needed to call and, you know, say, hey, I need to step back for like six weeks on different things, different boards I was on, different this. And everyone was super uh, understanding and accommodating. And 
I even sat with my surgeon and I was like, I don't want to be anyone's boss anymore. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to run things. I was like, these are my boundaries that I've made for myself. And, um, you know, I was like, I'm going to look into finding something that's more a job that's better conducive to my mental well-being. And it did take six months to find a replacement, but that's how I got on to go to Purdue. And I continue Mm. to do therapy and I take medications for anxiety and I take medications for ADHD. But once I got medication for ADHD, it's like the world cleared. I was like, how have I gone my whole life? The best way I can explain it is there's multiple tabs open in your brain and you can't shut the tabs because you're afraid you're going to need information from one of those tabs. And then it slows down (laughs) your body and your brain. And I'm a big promoter of mental health and like being on the medication that you need to be on. And for me, it's done nothing but help me smooth out my my life and make those boundaries. I do have lots of different journals for everything, and I will probably have to keep calendars to keep myself situated for the rest of my life. But it's the system I found that works for me. And so I want anybody who's ever feeling any type of way that there's nothing wrong with going and seeking help. And I'm the first one to tell you I've been there. I've done it. It made my life better. If, So I'm a big proponent of mental health and we're all different people and all going to have different things and we need to do what's best for us and our bodies. And that's my story of how I helped myself when at a really bad time, it was overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Thank you very much for sharing that. I know a lot of people will be able to relate to, to that, you know, coming out of uh, getting back to some, some NAFTA stuff. So coming out of VMX, there was the, I'm going to mess up the, the title of it. It was, I think a consumer awareness campaign. Yes video about who veterinary technicians are and what veterinary technicians do. And I think, I think it's the first thing I've seen probably ever like that produced and published and put out. Um, I thought it was really great to see. I think a lot of us in the profession have been like clamoring for something like that for a long time. Talk a little bit about that, how that came to be, what that was like. And, and are, is there anything more in that area you'd like to tease that might be coming? Yes. So the partnership with NAPSI and VCA, we got introduced to it, you know, last year when I was president elect and the way it was formatted out and to have this consumer awareness campaign because nothing like that had really happened before for the consumer aspect. Yes, we have lots of stuff where, you know, we're trying to teach veterinary technicians or people in the field, but we wanted a consumer outreach to where we get out to the public and show the public what we do. The goals for that campaign were twofold. It was to create greater consumer awareness and understanding of the important role and significant education requirements that um, veterinary nurses or technicians go through. Because a lot of people in our survey didn't understand. They're like, oh, well, I didn't know that that's what they did. I didn't even know they went to school. And the second part is to change the perceptions and attitude among pet parents so that they feel more confident accepting and having a qualified, certified veterinary technician um, care for their loved ones. Instead of them just being like, oh, you know, this person's going to take care of you. We want them to be like, do I have a a credentialed veterinary technician that's going to be with my pet overnight? It creates that consumer awareness and will help push our profession especially for those credentialed technicians. And basically it it focuses on the extensive education that veterinary nurses and credentialed technicians pursue, as well as highly skilled procedures they perform. Not long ago, uh, the past couple of months, South Carolina um, tried to put together a scope of practice that was letting, you know, veterinary assistants, you know, saying they could do central lines as well. And, you know, we asked, you know, veterinarians like, would you be comfortable? Are you even comfortable putting in this central line? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, so you're going to say that I was like, we need to keep this. So we, this whole campaign is about focusing on, you know, the highly trained skills that credential technicians have, the education, and we want the world to know about it. And it also addresses the issues of the national survey that NAFSI and NAFTA conducted and which many pet owners were not aware or nor do they understand the role that the education requirements are in veterinary technicians? And so it's a year long campaign. So there will be different. I was just in WBC um, and I'll be talking with some of the other people from VCA. So it's a year long campaign that we've 
put together for. So there will be more things to come out. It will not only benefit veterinary nurses and technicians, but will also benefit the practices they work for. Uh, The ultimate result is being the better delivery for animal health and animal care. So that's our entire goal is to create a better future, not only for our technicians, but the practices they work for and a better understanding. And and so for me, it was a no brainer when it, you know, it went around for a vote. I was like, I'm in. I was like, let's do it. And then especially <laughs> with the video, the video, I loved, you know, cause a lot of our videos show like, oh, this is what we do. And, but they don't really show the hardships of veterinary technicians. And so I liked that video because it gave you like, this is what we love about it, but it also gave you a, you know, we're in a term of crisis. Like we're not able to keep people in here. And I think it showed the value in that. I didn't want it to be all, you know, butterflies and roses because it's not my same story about burnout. I tried to send it in for a AVMA thing on vet tech week. And I think it was a little too dark for them. Like they were like, we love that you did this and got help, but we want to show like vet tech week <laughs> is happy. And I'm like, show what people go through. <laughs> yeah. Like her story is a little dark for this. Yeah, vet for tech sure. Yeah. For sure. So, so, so yeah, that's how we got it out there. <laughs> Well, and when I watched that video, it's funny because Jeff and I were like talking before that. I was like, we should have like, a, there should be like a Super Bowl ad mm-hmm. yeah, like they the did last receiver. year for that guy who whose dog went through chemotherapy and saved it and all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I said, we should we should have that for veterinary technicians because millions and millions and millions of people are going to see that ad and that'll get out the, the message of what we do. But then, you know, it was like... I came up with the idea like two weeks before the Super Bowl. I'm like, no time to, sh- to, sh- to shoot a- <laughs> to shoot that and raise whatever it is, $5 million for that. And as I watched the video that you guys put out, I was like, this is awesome. You know, at, at the end of it, it should have said, this yeah. is about 10% of what we actually do. It, it was mm-hmm. what, maybe a couple minutes long. And, you know, you're going through all the stuff that we do as technicians and nurses. And I was like, yeah, but we miss so much. There's there's so much yeah. that, that we do that is hard to compact into just a two minute ad. It's, it's just impossible to do almost. Um, okay. So the, the NAV to leadership summit, what, what is that? What does it entail and what came out of that this year? So we have NAFTA has the leadership summit and leadership symposium. So the leadership summit is usually at uh, the beginning of the year and that's more geared towards association management, association leadership. So we really like for um, state associations to go to that, uh, VTS academies to go to that. And this year we had, we did it virtual. We've done it virtual the last two years. We used to have it in conjunction with the um, AVMA uh, VLC, the Veterinary Leadership Conference. The good thing about the virtualness is like we can have more people attend these kind of things. So there's some states that do not have a budget to travel to Chicago and to go to those things, but putting it in a virtual format um, really helped. And this year... I especially like the topics that we had. So we had how to work with veterinary boards and legislators. We had engaging members and keeping them engaged, um, valuable non-dues revenue programs. So we had four different um, speakers. And one of the great things that came out of this one this year is especially the how to work with veterinary boards and legislators, Dr. Um, Ashley Morgan with the ABMA um, Government Relations. We had her do that talk. She is also our who we talk to about different things going on in different states. You know, we work together. If there's anything that's flagging um, veterinary technicians, she involves us and lets us know. So having her speak on that, it did open up like Florida. They were able to reach out. They reached out to Dr. Morgan and said, hey, you know, we want to get better relationship with our VMA because that's what we suggest. You know, first have a relationship, talk with them, see what If they are supportive, if they aren't supportive, we at least need to know that framework of work. So a lot of people reached out to their VMAs and made relationships with these tools that they had in mind from the Veterinary Summit. And they would tag us in them as well. Uh, The district representative system was like emailed in so they could help as well. So it did create a lot of engagement with uh, VMAs and state. Uh, VTAs, which I thought was very good. And then also having people, different ideas on engaging their members and keeping them engaged. Um, You know, mostly this, all the state things are volunteer based. You know, we all have our jobs that we do every day. And then, you know, how do we make this easier to, to keep your members engaged? So there was a lot of, and then valuable non-dues revenue kind of things. Um, 
nope, your revenue usually comes from your membership dues, but what other things are you doing besides membership um, to bring in that non-dues revenue? And and different people were, were able to collaborate from all over the country, especially since it was in a uh, virtual format. And, you know, on the side chats, they were like, hey, we do this and we do this. So it was good to have that collaboration with uh, those state leaders and BTS academies. And then when we do our symposium, it's in the summer. And the symposium is usually geared more towards uh, personal development as opposed to the leadership development. So um, that will be coming out soon. We're still working on all of the speakers and stuff for that. But I think we will um, keep that in a virtual format as well because we're able to reach more people that way. And I like the fact of reaching more. It's not fair just because you are a volunteer and don't have the means to get somewhere that you don't get the full information. So I definitely like the virtual aspect or even having like a hybrid kind of thing. But this one this summer will be geared towards personal leadership. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I know I know I filled it out, Dave. I'm pretty sure you did, too. We had the the demographic survey that was out, uh, I want to say about a month ago or so, and I'm sure it, I, I think it's act, the, the window to respond to it has closed. Is that correct? The last one I got was I think March 8th. We were also having some fill them out um, at WVC. So we closed it after that window. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Oh, okay. So I, I'm sure it takes <laughs> quite a while to compile <laughs> all of that data. <laughs> um, but I'm curious if, if they're preliminarily, if anything has jumped out that you've seen or heard, um, if there was anything in there that, you know, as far as questions that you found very relatable to you or, or what have you. And I think it's awesome that I think it was time for another demographic survey to come out. So I'm really looking forward to that. But what timeline could we expect for when those results might be published? So we're working with an outside company to do that. And I think we decided on, since we're putting it all together now, it's finally closed. Then the next couple of months, uh, we'll get a rough draft. Because we were wanting to have it initially out by end of March, but we decided that we wanted to keep that open so that we could engage not only the East Coast at um, NAFC, but also the West Coast kind of version at WBC, so we could get a mixture of that data. Mm. And so now uh, we were able to do that at WBC as well. And so now they're getting it all compiled together, and hopefully we can have that out in the NAFTA journal and everywhere in the next uh, month or two. And it usually the demographic survey comes out about every five years. Okay. Um, okay. I've noticed. So oh, good. this one will be because of COVID, I think just a slight bit longer than the five-year mark, but we wanted to make sure that we put this together because these are important numbers to have. Sure. You know, when people want to, even in something at personal level, move their jobs forward, move this forward. People want data. People want the data to put behind what they are asking for and things like that. So these things are super important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Actually, I know we, we touched a little bit on, you know, the VNI a little bit earlier. Um, but where are we at right now? Where, where do things stand? I know, I know it's a long process. And, you know, there's always going to be stops and starts along the way. But where are we at right now? The VNI, I'm on the advocacy committee for that. Since Ken Yagi, he was past president last year, he stepped back into a co-chair kind of thing on that now that he's no longer on the NAFTA board. So him and Kathy Coer are co-chairs of that. And we have our BNI social media that the Facebook page has reached over 5,000 now. So it is growing. One thing about the VNI, so this one I'm really passionate about because there's so much that goes into it. When COVID happened, you know, we had active bills for in like Ohio, uh, Oklahoma, and Tennessee was one. Georgia was getting an active one. But everything kind of got tabled during COVID. And people kind of think, you know, like, did this go away? Did it disappear? Like, I really haven't heard anything. The legislative cycles are usually about every two years. They go in in, in Januarys, and they have different, different states all have different things. We have started to see as a pope from the name change perspective, a few that are coming around and wanting to introduce that again. But the VNI wasn't just, and it's still not just about a name change. It has the different pillars. So 
as for the 22 states like we went into last year, some could have been, you know, we want title protection. We don't have title protection in it. Can you help us with that? Um, some are about scope of practice. Some are about, you know, we helped with the scope of practice survey uh, timeline. We we try to help with every different aspect that all those pillars that affect the VNI. So it's very much still alive and well. And I think that it's gearing up to have a really good year this year because it seems like the world is opening back up. And and we didn't want something while the world, you know, was going through something and our profession was going through something. We wanted to make sure, you know, it was still there but wasn't overshadowing anything else and everything was just important as the next thing when we were doing everything. And we, and we talked about too, you know, reciprocity at the outset, which I, I know is a, is a big thing. And as, as much as the name change for me, I think that's probably the mm -hmm. biggest thing having been an educator previously and having students and I was teaching alternate route, but having students in my program who it was definitely part of their plan or a strong possibility to move out of state, yeah. what transferability of licenses or what the requirements are going to be and them as an alternate route student. So that's, I think, as big of a part for it as me. But you mentioned in there as well, title protection. And there was a article that came out, I want to say maybe two or three days ago now that you were, it looks like interviewed for, there were some quotes from you from, saw it posted by the AVMA um, about title protection. Yes. And there was, there was quite a bit about it. And, and I think you, you referenced the survey and report confirming title protection for a veterinary technician is, is needed and desired. And there was a lot about that in there. And we've talked a lot about the, the differences in states. I'm curious how the idea of veterinary nurse that I feel like that term has such inertia right now, not just with NAVTA, but a lot of state organizations. I see a lot of veterinary technician programs now are branded as veterinary nursing programs. And I almost wonder, are we are we putting the cart before the horse in any way? Are we muddying the waters and making them worse? by getting that out there? Like, is it, is it hard to advocate for title protection of veterinary technician while also kind of floating out this other term? Is that, is that anything we've, we've seen or heard? I have heard that. And there are now 13 schools that are schools of veterinary nursing. We put out a press release of December 20th, okay. our official statement on using the term veterinary nurse and job postings and things like that, because we find that we didn't want to muddy the waters with a different title. And we found that people were like, oh, we're looking for a veterinary nurse, but it doesn't say whether credentialed or not credentialed. So NAFTA put out an official statement, and we also sent it to our AVMA partners that we only see veterinary nurses synonymous with credentialed veterinary technician. And we wanted to make sure that that was out there. We weren't wanting to add in another thing. And I think with the momentum that others are trying to do, such as changing the name, you know, to today's veterinary nurse or different um, educational entities changing to veterinary nursing, when they get a degree, they still have to follow their state rules. So like in Indiana, we at Purdue, we have veterinary nursing, but they still get a license as an RVT. And until we change those, that's what they are. And we want people to abide by those, but we only see the veterinary nurse as synonymous with credentialed veterinary technician. We don't want somebody to be like, hey, we're hiring nurses. And it's the same thing as being like, hey, we're hiring technicians, licensed or unlicensed. Like it's, it's creating that same atmosphere. And that's something that we don't want it to do. Gotcha. It does make things a little bit, a little bit confusing. And, and you're right. I, I, I don't really see an issue. And, and maybe it's just because of the, the area of the country that I'm in. I don't really see people calling themselves veterinary nurses that aren't actually, you know, licensed or registered or certified or what have you. So that does make things a little bit on the confusing side. Yes, I've definitely worked in different places where I even had a conversation with someone about title protection. And she's like, oh, well, I just call them all nurses so that I'm on the same level. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's the, that's nope. not yeah. better. That's not better. And so, yeah. you know, they thought they were doing something good and, you know, in their head, like, but I'm not going to hurt anyone's feelings if I just call them all veterinary nurses. And I'm like, but that's still perpetuating the same thing. Right. And that's a big yeah. problem uh, that, you know, human nurses had with the issue was they didn't want their title to get muddied 
by people saying they can call themselves nurses. Right. Of course. And so we want to mm-hmm. honor that as well. Of course. And that's why we put mm-hmm. out that official statement. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can remember um, when I was working emergency practice, and this was long before VNI ever really even started. I mean, I'm going back to the mid 2000s. One of the veterinarians that I worked with, he would always refer to when talking to us um, about who was taking care of the animals to clients, he always referred to us as the nursing staff. And it was a, a, you know, kind of a general blanket term for technicians and for assistants, but obviously it was a, he meant it in a way that, you know, was the people taking care of, of that person's pet or, or the pets in the treatment room. But, you know, thinking back to it now, it's, it was such a generalized term that included so many people without any boundary whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, (laughs) it's, there's, there's a lot to unpack with it for sure. So Ashley, as we get well beyond our hour that we (laughs) told you we were going to be here uh, again, thank you for taking time out of your vacation to actually talk to us. This is, we really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you want our colleagues or our caffeinators to hear about this subject about title protection or NAFTA or Anything at all? <laughs> I'm like, what have you not <laughs> Might be the hardest question you've had to answer. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I guess from a personal note, I just want everyone who's in this field to know how important they are each and every day. And one of the reasons I ran for NAFTA president is because, you know, I've had a different journey than a lot of other people. I don't have a VTS behind my name. And I saw that, you know, a lot of people, they're like, well, I couldn't do that because I don't have this XYZ part of my career yet. And I wanted to show that, you know, a lot of us are still deciding. Um, Right now I'm in academia, so there's not a VTS in academia. Does that mean, you know, I won't try to get a VTS in academia, like make one happen? Sure, maybe down the road. But I just wanted everyone to know how important their roles are in veterinary medicine. And And you can come from a background of anything. And as long as you advocate and you have a voice, use it to help push the profession forward. You know, I am a four-time VT&E taker. I am a, (laughs) I am a mom. I, I volunteer for lots of things. And, um, you know, I thought I could do it and I could show the rest of, uh, you know, the veterinary technician profession that we're all different people and, and we're just striving to be, um, what we can. And I truly think our profession should be thriving and and not just surviving. That's what I want for the profession is for all of us to work together, um, to advocate on those levels and to get to those positions we need to do so that we can get out of this 30 years stale standstill (laughs) and, you know, have better pay and have title protection and the only way we can do that is if, you know, we all work together and, and we advocate for ourselves and especially on the state levels where we're involved in the processes for ourselves. Cause a lot of the times laws are made for us, but not made by any of us. And that really sucks when you hear a new law and you're like, they didn't ask us anything about that. Um, so I have a government relations committee that I've created and it, it will be coming out in the next few weeks for members to be able to join that. But I think that that is a, it will be a huge committee because you know, that's something that affects all of us. And it was a really big passion of mine to get that government relations committee so that we can find out what's going on. And it'll work with uh, the district representative system as well as the VNI as we go into different states and we find out what's going on. And, and we can share that each time we find something that's happening, you know, I can put it on our NAFTA channels like, hey, Maine's trying to block this or, you know, what do you guys think? Or South Carolina's trying to do this just so we get to get where we can get where we need to be and to have our titles respected and have the pay we deserve. And I, I think right now is a time where, you know, people are being able to ask for that pay they want. But we also have to remember the, you know, technicians that have also been there and stayed there. They need to make sure that they're doing what they can to keep them there as well as upping their pay. Do we have benefits? Do we have things like that? And man, I just rambled on for a minute, but um, <laughs> that was like, there's so many things I want to tell people, but those are, yeah, but right. Those are my biggest things. And then if anybody ever needs me, um, they can email me I'm more than happy to help in any way I can. And, and I'm just super excited about this year and we've got a lot of things coming. Fantastic. Awesome. Fantastic. That's great. Fantastic. And is there anybody or, or a topic 
that maybe we haven't covered here on the Vet Tech Cafe or, or a person we haven't interviewed that you would put in your seat that you're in today for a future episode? Ooh, I was trying to think about that one. I wasn't sure. No worries if you don't have anybody off the top of your head. If you think of anybody, though, yeah. um, that you think would be a good guest for this kind of format, put us in touch with them. We'd, we'd love to have whatever conversation that might be. Yeah, we're open to almost all, almost all ideas we're open to. I do my best thinking like the 20 minutes after I get off a call like this, and I'm like, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we'll be, wait- we'll be waiting for the email. Yes, yes. And, yes, I had so much fun today. Yes, and I guess uh, there was a would you rather question. Did I? Yes. Oh, that's, that's coming that's, up. That's, are you, are that, you ready that, for your would you rather next, question? Yeah. Oh, okay, keep going. I'll follow okay. you guys. Okay, here we go. All right, so if it turns out that there is actually an afterlife, would you rather there be a heaven and hell or reincarnation? Mm, I don't know. I think reincarnation. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because that's just a psych. And what do you want to come back as? Oh, my gosh. I want to come back as like a fat house cat. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that there was like, no hesitation whatsoever. <laughs> I've thought about it. Like, they just, they got the best life going on. Like, they just, they get fed when they want. They go where they want. They knock things over that they want. Like they just yeah. live in the light in the sun. Yeah, <laughs> no predators. I like just it. Chilling. Yeah. So that's I, what I, I like it. Back. I guess love reincarnation it. because <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's an expiration on that. Well, I guess heaven and hell aren't either. But I like, like I said earlier, I don't like one specific thing or like being somewhere forever. I guess with reincarnation. It's a continuous flow. Like, and you can come back to something different all the time and you can experience new things. And so yeah. that's why I would choose Absolutely. That. Yeah. Absolutely. Love it. I might get bored in, in heaven. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, Ashley, I think we've taken up enough of your time. Um, we want to let you go enjoy some time away. So thank you so much, though, for taking some time out to, to talk to us today about all things NAVTA and, and, and what they're working on and kind of what's coming down the pike really really interested to see and hear some of the stuff that'll be coming out uh, through the spring and summer. So thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. It was great to chat with you. Thanks. I had an amazing time chatting with you guys today. And now I'm going to go back to my vacation. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, caffeinators, thanks again for tuning into the Vet Tech Cafe and uh, we will see you guys again soon. Bye. Bye guys. Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators! We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day. Thank you.